know that there is something magical inside of you, but you don't know how to uncover it? The Heart Sing Podcast is dedicated to just that, helping you put yourself first and figure out what lights you up. I'm your host, Addie B, aka Slayer of Namaslayer, and through my journey of losing nearly 100 pounds, uncovering the magic of my soul, and building the life of my dreams, I'm leaving no stone unturned in the process of self-discovery. And I'm here to share it all with you, so let's get started. Welcome to the Heart Sing Podcast. This is Addie B, aka Slayer of Namaslayer. As always, I like to share what I'm learning in the moment and also relate it to my weight loss quest, Turn Spiritual Adventure. This episode is as much for me as it is for you because I need some focus on this topic this week. I am going to regale you with tales about my battle with the wine wench today, about drinking and the relation to the habit cycle and just weight loss in general. I haven't been drinking much in the past year, maybe a couple of years, and I had some drinks this week. I want to share about this with you while I'm in the moment, my journey with drinking, my soul discovery, habits, and weight loss. I will tell anyone who listens that after meditation, learning how to deal with urges around wine was One of the most important things I did for myself on this journey, and it was a critical part of slaying these 110 pounds, and it continues to be so, there was always this little voice in me that would say, you know, if you would just stop drinking on the weekend, the weight would fall off because I would see this happen, right? I'd be really do great all week and lose some weight and I get to the weekend and I have drinks and I eat some crap and then put it right back on. So it was just like this up and down cycle. Or if I would do an exercise about my future self and what I looked like, there was that voice in there that was saying, hey, you know, I don't see you sitting there with your wine in your hand while you're off kayaking this epic river in the middle of a mountain. I just don't see that. So when I first started really getting into the mind work behind my weight loss quest, after I had learned to meditate and before I had found magic pages and became a master planner, it's in this space where I had started to understand I was creating it. And if I was really committed to weight loss, what would I need to do to make it happen? I think at this time I was like, I want to lose 10 pounds in a month. And I asked myself, I'm like, all right. What do I need to do to make this happen? And I wrote, do not drink. I wanted to erase it. I didn't want to admit that it was holding my progress on the scale up, but I knew it was. Can anyone else relate to this at all? Part of me didn't want to give up all those and weekend let loose and celebrate, take a break with some wine at my local watering hole. And then I would eat like crap. And then I'd wake up and not feel great and not do all the fabulous things I talked about doing at said watering hole the night before, right? I call this the cocktail dream napkins. I used to have a lot of these all wadded up in the bottom of my purse. Now I'm living my dreams. So instead of having all these napkins on the bottom of my purse, now I use this energy that I would have spent recovering to work and create something magic and to actually live these dreams. I write them down now and I'm like, oh, that's going to happen. 
And now I know how good my body feels when it's clean, when it's free of sugar and flour and alcohol. It just feels good. And it's this focus on the feeling good, not how crappy I would feel the next day that's been the biggest game changer for me on this journey. Therefore, all the future focus you hear in this podcast, because I have found if I focus on how shitty I feel, I'm just going to feel worse. Right? That's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Think, feel, act cycle all day long. You might find it interesting to know that I had started a private Facebook group called the Boost Slayers, which I'm not, it's not active anymore. At one point I did this because I am so passionate about this topic and the effect of attacking my habit had on my entire life and not just because of being more radiant sober, which of course I am, but also because my deep understanding of the habit cycle and the power of the brains from this. I thought originally that helping women retrain their brains around wine or booze or however you want to phrase it might have been my focus as a leader, but as passionate as I am about slaying a booze habit, once I understood about habits and the brain, I realized that for me, it's really the weight loss and overall health that's my passion. But to be clear, alcohol still has a role in this quest of mine and so many other women I meet. So we're going to get into this today. I think many times we don't realize how big of this role it plays because for many of us, it's become a part of a lifestyle. It's just kind of part of how we live. And it rears its head for me when I have weeks like this. It was an awesome week and it's been going great. I'm going to share with you a little bit of my analysis, but it's also been kind of a corporate addy mode week. So if you listen to the podcast, you know this is when I really get into creating and I'm doing a lot of things and I'm putting a lot of hours in in an environment that is like how I used to work, you know, more at a computer and less on a yoga mat. So rest assured, this episode will apply to you, even if it isn't wine that is your thing like it was mine. You can sub in whatever you're the queen or king of overdoing. Whether it's overeating, over Netflixing, overuse of your phone, whatever you are overdoing and you don't like the effects in your life, just sub it in anywhere I say wine or wine wench, okay? And you're good to go because your brain gets pleasurable dope hits from all those other things too. And my future self has not drank for well over a year, maybe longer, while my past current present human has let it in and out as I'm moving forward through this quest and this journey seeking my highest self. My future self does not see alcohol, like I told you earlier, because I know I'm just not as shiny and radiant, and I want to be a radiator full of heartsing all the time. I see clearly that the wine wench dulls my shine, <laughs> even after a couple of drinks. She does. She looks all shiny, but a slayer is not so shiny, right? Like it just takes a little bit of the edge off. And my current self chose to drink this week. And now that I have such this increased awareness, I see why and how it came came on. I want to share my journey with you. And in the book, by the way, this is going to be an entire chapter just called The Wine Wench. I created her, The Wine Wench, when I made my first course called The Superhero Incubator because like naming our Neanderthal brains, it's kind of a fun process. And I still guide it now although we call it the alter ego because some people weren't jamming on the superhero theme, (laughs) but we've evolved 
but the process is the same. And here's why. Making a fictional character out of your bad habit or your monkey brain makes it kind of fun and it helps remove yourself from the personal judgment of it. It it like makes it become this entity other than it's you doing these things because it's your brain that is trained. So when you see yourself getting seduced by the wine wench or your monkey brain, you understand that this is something separate and it puts you in that power seat. You can do this with whatever you decided you're overdoing or you don't like the habit because maybe you don't like how it makes you feel or how, how it shows up on the scale or whatever it pulls you from. For example, if I get into a Netflix binge, I will not get to bed as early and then I won't get up for my magical AM habit stack. And it's a ricochet from there of my entire day not being quite as radiant. You guys know what I mean with this? And this villain, she might be called Netflix Nelly or something like that. When she comes out and wants all the dope hits from just vegging out, take a, take a minute now, you guys, and think of your arch nemesis. Who is she? And you probably have several of them too, right? Like maybe there's fast food Frida in there or ice cream Agnes. You know, think about who that is for you. Who's that arch nemesis? Once we have this awareness, we kind of think about this like Prey and Shreya from the story in the Upanishads that I talk about throughout this podcast that it's about this boy in a quest to find the purpose of life. And in this story, the king of death shares with the boy that we have two choices in each moment. We're at this crossroads. We have the ability and power of our intellect to make discerning choices. This is what separates us from other beings on the planet. We have a discerning intellect. So we can choose to go down the path of prayer. This is the path that gives us the quick short-term rewards. Or we can choose the path of Shreya, the healthier, longer-term reward option that serves us so much better in the long run, but not quite as sexy as Prey in the moment. And Preya seduces us with all her sexy talk. <laughs> and she might look good, too. Right? We see this in the marketing of things like wine. We're shown these groups of women who are laughing and living as they don't have a care in the world. Life is just easy and so much more so because they have the wine on a yacht at a party or out at girls night and they're smiling and laughing and their thin, gorgeous bodies. It's part of our culture, part of our thinking. We, we need this to just take the edge off and living a life of freedom. We get to eat, drink, watch whatever we want. And it's just glorious, right? We don't get the morning after pictures. We don't see the less than shiny woman who's too tired to get up to do all the things that really make her radiant. Our brains are trained through advertising, perhaps environment you grew up in, other people, your own thoughts, things you've read. We create these filters in our lives. You guys remember before cigarette ads were banned? Remember how cool they made it to look to smoke? Look how great this was for us. And Preya also has rewards. It's good to realize these apparent benefits so we can recognize them and realize them for what they are. So if we make a choice to go down that path, at least we do so with awareness of self. So let's take the wine wench, for example. Not only does she make everything seem more entertaining, like places I would be sober for a period of time. This came up recently talking about a concert with a friend that is a Jimmy Buffett fan. 
Personally, I'm like this with concerts. I'm good for like an hour or so, then I want to move on. Unless I'm on my back in a blanket looking up at the stars maybe or something like that. But if it's a concert like Buffett, I don't see that happening without alcohol in my world. I would have zero draw to go unless it was to drink and act like a nut with a parrot on my head. No judgment from me. It does sound fun, but I'm not so sure I would think that's fun sober necessarily. Although I haven't danced like a lunatic with a parrot on my head before, so maybe it would be, but not longer than probably five minutes, okay? I'm down for five minutes of that. However, if I'm looking to create a life sober, and if that doesn't sound fun to me sober, is it really fun? Can I better discern what is truly fun to me and what isn't when I'm not numb to my emotions? You betcha. Also, of course, now I realize that I I feel like things are fun because of something I'm thinking. It comes from a thought, right? So I could literally make anything fun if I choose to think about it, I suppose, even with a dancing parrot on my head (laughs) or dancing with a parrot. Either way, I got to tell you, the more I talk about this, the more fun that actually sounds. And of course, I'm stone sober right now, right? But these are the questions I started asking on my journey as my awareness increased around this habit and my thoughts and my feelings and actions. What am I drinking for? Do I want a glass of wine because I'm uncomfortable or is it because I won't, wouldn't choose to be there? Like, why do I want a drink? Because a drink alters the mood. So once I eliminated the mood altering substance, the wine wench, I noticed all kinds of situations I was putting myself in that I didn't care to be at, that I'd never choose to do sober. And there were other situations I would drink just because it was a social norm. And I mean, we all drink wine and champagne at awards banquets, right? I mean, who, who doesn't? Like, well, how would I do that sober? Why would I do that sober? And when I did, to realize I actually had enjoyed myself there sober. I was like, wow. I'll get into that a little bit later, but let's stay on the benefits of Praya. Here's a big one, you guys. Another sexy thing um, to Praya, right? And this is a big one. Understanding this can change everything on your health journey. And this of meditating, of course, so you can meet your inner self more and more. But this thing little drum roll for you. The habit cycle and dopamine hits. There's few things on the planet that reward your brain as quickly and brilliantly as alcohol. So it's a great way to start to understand this habit cycle. And of course, there's heroin, right? Of course, I guess. So maybe I should say legal things, right? Your brain gets this immediate reward. It's really that simple. What if it's that simple and the wine wench is a friggin' habit? that like there's a cue in my environment, I respond to it through the reward process of this dopamine hit to my brain. I've trained myself that I'm going to get this reward. It's that simple. I'm not broken. Nothing's wrong with me. If anything, my brain is uber efficient and sure as hell knows how it's going to get its rewards. I can tell you for me, this changed everything on my journey, this perception shift, understanding my habit and my brain as I was awakening to my soul, game changer. You combine those, oh my. You know what else? Understanding your brain and this prayer choice is a habit you've created. What does it, what does it do for you understanding this? It removes that shame. 
removes that shame that something's wrong with you. You mean I'm not friggin' broken. I don't have to walk around with another shadow about how I'm not good enough at something. And in this case, the desire to drink that I can't just drink like everybody else. That it was, of course, a natural process for me to desire to want to drink because of all the training my brain had. I practiced this and practice a physical response. So depending on your arch nemesis, you may say this even more clearly or at least identify if you're a smoker, if you've ever smoked, you can relate to that really strong urge on a physical and psychological level. What about something like Netflix though? Can you see the reward you get with this? You know what a perception shift that did for me? I want to offer you this to you. It just gave me power. It took away the fear that I was this bad, broken person, and it put me in control of understanding that it's just my brain doing its Neanderthal job, gathering rewards, making neural pathways, and that I could train it. I could retrain and build new pathways. As I started this realization, I developed my healthy habits more. And so I'm building these other pathways that I know I want to make those deeper and deeper. I stayed very future focused on my journey for this purpose. Look, our past is great to learn from. And I'm a big believer in shadow work and uncovering your dark side, especially once you become an observer of your life. When we can do this without judgment, or at least with awareness so you can see yourself judging yourself, like at least you can see it and know it so you don't end up in a bigger ball of misery. Let's go back to my 300-pound ball of misery since we're on there. I knew, of course, I was eating and drinking too much. It just, like, I just kept going. I had always been a pretty heavy drinker. That's how I was trained growing up, actually. I just listened to one of Rachel Hart's podcasts. She has the podcast, um, Take a Break from Drinking, and she was a huge part of the beginning of my journey. And she talked about this. Did anyone ever teach you how to drink. I thought, hmm, well, no, Rachel, they sure did not. They also didn't teach me how to feel my emotions or meditate. These skills that should be essential. However, people taught me how to get drunk, how to lose my inhibitions a little bit and just let loose. This is how we have fun. It was modeled for me in not only advertising, but real life by older kids or parties I would go to. Think about it. Shots, keg parties, punch bowls. It was part of life and seemingly cool growing up. This is what we learned, at least in my teenage and college years. As I aged and turned into a talk at work about happy hours and in my 20s going to nightclubs and meeting boys and all that good stuff and We're taught, maybe not directly, but think about it through ads, friends, watching other people, how glamorous this life is with a drink in our hand, dancing the night away, or out to a nice dinner with a glass of red wine, on a beach with a cocktail with an umbrella, chips and salsa margarita, baby. Want to be skinny like Bethany? Drink some skinny girls. That's the answer to everything. Wine became my thing as I aged. I think it was like classier. Oh, darling, I'll just have a glass of wine after this long day as I cook some dinner. This idea that I deserve some wine because I'm working so hard or that I need wine to take the edge off or that sometimes as a reward to keep going, like I dangle it there. Oh my gosh, like I started to habit stack my wine. (laughs) Think about it. 
It looked like this. Okay, after you finish this project, you can have some wine before you make dinner. It's corporate Hattie mode right there. Huh, so this was my training ground with alcohol and my mindset and the neural pathways I created. All of this cultivated over a lifetime. Think of all those thoughts and beliefs in there. And now I had the power. I knew I was the observer. I had this understanding through my increased meditation, seeing that separation of self from my ego being Addie, who was here in human form, being all the things, mom, daughter, leader, employee, athlete, on and on, all the roles I was playing. And then there was me, my inner self in there that could see all of the things and observe what was happening. And her voice was getting louder and louder the more I allowed the stillness. So add to this power, the understanding that in when I'd answer the wine wench, that sexy siren she is, right? That this was just the work of my brain and that I could train her just like I do with any other habit I want to create. Taming the wine wench was when I first realized how I was getting dopamine hits from alerts on my phone too which I no longer have. I'll have you know, I never get an alert on my phone because of this. And this happened with a Netflix alert. I have to share a couple stories with you to make this make sense. But I want to take us back to that corporate Addy circa 2018. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I enjoyed drinking a lot. It was my release. It had been involved in most things I considered fun in my life for years. Not that I didn't or couldn't have fun sober. For sure, I am now, and I have been, and I knew I did when I was younger. But as an adult, I didn't want to give it up, and I couldn't imagine, you know? I was realizing to really make big changes, though, and see results on the scale that I wanted to commit to drinking less. I couldn't yet imagine ever saying that my future self didn't drink. Not at not in 2018. Heck no. I almost didn't listen anyway, but I there was that voice in there just kept telling me. Rachel Hart talked about doing a five-day break. And I was like, well, of course I can do that. I kind of do that anyway. I go weeks without drinking sometimes, and I don't a lot during the week and all of that. So of course, it's when I plan something, though, my rebel rears her head. And all of a sudden, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday happy hour are sounding good because I said I was going to do a five-day break. Anyone else? Any other rebels out there? But I committed. I was like, okay, I can do this. It's it's going to be some work, but I'm going to do it. And let's see what happens. So I did this five-day break where she led us through uncovering all sorts of things on our brain and these exercises we would do. And one of the days was focused on urges and what it really feels like in our body. And I can see this clear as day. I can still see this. I was scheduled to go to yoga and I was early and my brain immediately went to thoughts of happy hour. I was driving down the road and all of a sudden I got this vision of myself at some outside bar with my acquaintances from the neighborhood enjoying a margarita on that fine spring day and the breeze through my hair and the sunshine. And then the thoughts started rolling in. Ah, see, you're going to have to wait for 30 minutes. You could be like this. You could be in this beautiful outdoor bar just to not a care in the world. Or the thoughts like, you're, you're never, you're never done this early. You can reschedule yoga tomorrow and go enjoy this beautiful weather. I saw the car start to drive itself past the yoga studio. I literally remember like I muscled the car into the parking lot and stopped the car. 
<laughs> so I could observe this urge I was having. This was an assignment and I had committed to that. I was just learning to become an observer. And this was a great exercise, you guys. Do this for yourself sometimes when you see an urge come, that craving or desire to either eat something not on your plan or watch Netflix instead of doing a project you have. When you see that desire come, stop, pause, and notice exactly what those feelings are in your body. I can still describe them for you now. And I could call them up, really, if I closed my eyes and imagined this. But I would call the feeling anticipation and excitement. And in my body, my stomach got these little butterflies of excitement. And my heart got a little warm, almost up to my throat. My brain relaxed. I could almost like taste it. I think I kind of salivated. I realized in thinking of this wine and this whole image and this picture I have, I was already feeling this relief of sorts, this happy. I was getting a dopamine hit and I wasn't even there. But I was so excited by this vision of peace and relaxation my brain had cooked up. that, And it wants that dope hit, I'm telling you. And of course, alcohol goes straight to the brain. Boom, right to that reward center. And I had trained this brain to want it. Couple that with my image of this little cabana, and I don't have a care in the world. I did some breathing, and I drove to yoga class, and I waited for a class. I felt so powerful. And this awareness has helped me ever since. Then I saw this. I want to tell you about that alert on my phone when I saw the same response and I started to connect all these things. I was actually practicing mindful eating. It's another great tool to increase awareness. You plate your food and get this, you guys, Sit in absolute stillness while you eat it. No phone, no TV, no people. I mean, you can move the food to your mouth, but nothing but you and the food. You realize quickly a lot of things doing this, how much we eat mindlessly, of course, that we eat for entertainment, we eat for boredom, we we eat past our full. The idea is to notice when you get distracted and you want to do something else and you're probably full. So I was working on this because these are the things you do and I still do to increase my awareness and try it. Try to be present and in that moment and see what comes up when you try to do that and your brain doesn't want you to. So if you've done it before and it's been a while, do it again. Even if you don't have weight to lose, it doesn't matter. See what comes up. So I'm mindfully eating and all of a sudden, ding! You know that little ding on the phone? It happened. And you know that sound, an incoming alert that you have set for a rare special thing. Or maybe you respond to any alert like that. Really watch this. And in this case, it took me a second to realize it was an alert for a show on Netflix. It must be one I really like because I don't even watch that much. And I had that feeling come over me. Just like when I sat in that parking lot and got the urge to go to happy hour the same anticipation, the same reward to my brain, that excitement, that relief to come. Oh, I was mind blown. This sent me on a tangent of understanding dopamine hits and other ways you can get it, these rewards to the brain. And how could I cultivate this? Because if I can create this feeling, this reward I'm liking around things that serve me, my Shreya decisions, then wow, can you imagine that power? And this process of looking up how to get dopamine hits are all kinds of different ways. Like you can find hundreds of different ways to get dopamine hits, like doing puzzles or something artsy like that. And probably why those games on our phones are so addicting too. Why video games are addicting. 
trying new things was another way. And that's when I married that concept with the everyday bucket list I had made from when I um, learned meditation, when I was reading the Lillian Blake books about creating your everyday bucket list. If you've heard me talk about that quite a bit, where you make this list of everyday little adventures. So I combined that with doing these things that would give me a dopamine hit, like when I would normally maybe go to a happy hour, like booking an appointment to try a float spa or a new hike or aerial yoga, maybe going to an art class. Dopamine kicks in because it's new. Now, this took a lot more planning than just driving to a happy hour. In fact, meditation was one of those things I had tried on my everyday bucket list. And that is nothing if not a practice and urges. Think about it. The biggest reason people we state that we struggle with meditation is because of the distraction from our thoughts. This is where all urges start with our thought process that are born from our beliefs, history, experience, as we practice meditation and learn on an even deeper level that we are not these thoughts and we create a greater separation in that place. It assists us in dealing with these urges as well. So once I combine this awareness of thoughts and learn to start sitting there, when I would sit in meditation and allow thoughts and distractions in the environment and still was able to sit there and honor myself and my plan to sit there, I got better and better at doing that. And I combine that skill with implementing these tools to help me retrain my brain game changer. I start to be able to think of the Shreya choices, the choices that serve me, like getting up to hike the mountain and to meditate, to write my magic pages and make a plan. When I start to apply my mind to making these choices, it really changed everything. Looks like this, you guys. When happy hour had come calling, I would think about my mountaintop hike and how good it feels, like really see myself there and allow myself to daydream about how magnificent that feeling is and not just do it when the wine wench would come calling. To see this frequently, how good this feels, to allow myself to daydream. Think about how much better my day is when I wake up early before the rest of the world and I get my heart sing on. Again, law of attraction, instead of thinking about what I didn't want the next day, like a hangover and feeling crappy, I think about what I did want and those good feelings. Those feelings would take me to the choices that served me over and over again. And honestly, this is why I stopped doing the Boost Slayers group so much. I would pop in every now and then because I realized when I was talking about it, I was giving it this power. Not that I wanted to ignore my thoughts, but because I was spending time creating and talking about a place I wasn't anymore in a place I no longer decided to be that just wasn't a part of my life. I wanted to take that energy and build my future how I wanted it to look, not staying stagnant and analyzing those thoughts I had already done. It was part of the journey, the urge work and understanding the habit cycle in my brain better, but it wasn't the journey. But I did a ton of work around wine on this mindset. The journey is about how I live my best life each day and every day and how I get healthier and healthier and how I continue to move forward. When I see my future now, I know alcohol isn't in it. Future Namaslayer doesn't drink. She is way too lit for that. 
So what happened this week? Why am I not at this future version I've been working on for a year? Right? Is there a timeline? No, it's not a timeline of my vision, just like the guide said about the book, right? The timeline itself is already set. Now, time in our third dimension here, eh, that just is what it is, right? So we have a field day analyzing this one of all the thoughts that led to this night out with my daughter where I had some drinks. And there are many things I've attributed to this that I'm aware of, and there's probably many I'm not. My biggest takeaway was, again, corporate addy mode, this energy of when I'm in high creation like I have been this week. I'm doing things I love. I'm creating content and course material, and it's really creative, and I I get in and I love it, and it gives me this energy that's like super like on a high. I get wrapped in this energy, and I worked too late. I worked till two in the morning and didn't get good sleep. I'm not up on the mountain. I'm not part of that old self sneaks in that mode where I'm not me first, right? When I don't take time to break and take care of me in the middle of it. Yeah, just like I teach, of course, right? When you do shadow work, they say, look at the advice you give other people because it all comes right back to you. It's no different for any guides, leaders, or coaches out there. We're in the situation where we're sharing with you because we've been there. And it's continual advice we're giving ourselves too. And as the situation changes, maybe the solutions do or the advice does a little bit, and there's another part to evolve on the journey, but all the same, it never hurts to hear it. And here's where I'm at with this journey. The wine doesn't have the stigma or hold the fear in it like it used to for me. Does this make sense? Like I'm going to slip back to into corporate addy mode of 2018. Like, God forbid, I picked up a cigarette again. Not like that. Not like that physical craving type thing. So there's no way that is happening. I'm way too aware. Also, I've promised to eternally tell you about everything. And so as things happen, I'm taking it out and I look at it. I'm making a podcast about it. I do a live about it because I'm working on this version of me and I'm giving myself advice in the process. It's really brilliant, right? The fear around drinking wine, like I couldn't have one drink or I'd be right back at the wine wench knocking all the time. It doesn't have that power. The alcohol is becoming neutral. It's like I ate a piece of pizza and felt like crap or I was off my protocol or off my volume. Why did I do that? I need my commitment. I need my protocol, my plan. How can I set myself up for future success going forward? This is a huge jump, you guys. I remember during my first 90-day break a couple of years ago that I felt like a different being not drinking. It's like I was in this foreign land. I was like, oh my gosh, this is kind of cool, but totally scary. And I've never been to a bachelorette party and been sober before. And oh my gosh, I enjoyed myself. That was cool, right? Now I feel like a different being when I do drink. Think about that. I've shifted who my identity, like James Clear talks about the identity-based habit changes. So as you start to make these new neural pathways and you start to focus on this place you where you want to be and where you're going, you just naturally become this other person. And wherever you are in your path with your nemesis out there, is that a good plural of nemesis? Know this. You hold the power. You are in control of all of this, all of your life. You can cultivate this superpower of awareness and be free of judgment of yourself and others. You can increase your skills as an observer of your mind, body, and soul. 
You can learn to create habits and see what is happening in your mind. You can start this process one little urge at a time, one journaling session at a time, one dip into meditation, one step at a time, putting you first so you can stop, breathe, and notice your experience in this world. You can be in the now and use your brain to focus on what you want it to look like. Deepak Chopra tells us we can use our brain for two things. We can use it to worry, could use it to imagine and create magic in our lives. So where do you want to focus? And how do we get, how do you want to be, figure that out and do it without judgment? Step away from perfectionism and know that awareness is your superpower, not being perfect all the time cultivating that awareness, moving forward, failing and getting back up again. Superpowers. Now go like this, be up like the badass witches and bitches you are. Go sit in some urges, notice the emotions in your body and tell me all about it. Let's do this. One little habit at a time. Let's change the world. Slay her out. 